We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And I got a solo episode for you guys today. Excited to uh, to talk about some some items trending in the news. We're going to talk about uh, Michelle Obama's new uh, nutrition company that she's launched targeting kids and who is behind that and talk a little bit about um, really where I see that going. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what Robert Malone has had to say about the $1.2 million reparations proposals um, in California. We're going to talk about, of course, Janet Yellen and the <laughs> the debt ceiling c- catastrophe that we're all about to experience. And, you know, we might even get to talking about President Biden, who is now openly running on a full gun control, disarming every American agenda. It's uh, remarkable to see. And there's some other stuff we, we might get to, but I doubt we'll get to that because to be quite honest with you right now, I am not at 100%. I would say I'm probably, I don't know, somewhere around 80% now. Two hours ago, I was maybe at 50%, but uh, feeling better as the as the day goes on here. Recording this on Sunday night, May 7th, to air on May 8th. And this past week, an awesome week. Uh, my wife and I were in the Dominican Republic in Punta Cana at the Excellence Resort there to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. Um, had an awesome time, had a phenomenal time. Love that resort. Um, we went to an Excellence uh, Resort for our honeymoon uh, in uh, Riv- Riviera Maya, Mexico. That was phenomenal as well. I don't know which one was better. Honestly, 10 years is a long time. Uh, and you know, I don't remember exactly every detail. Um, of my uh, of my honeymoon, but we had an incredible time, incredible food. Uh, one of my favorite things about going to like these all inclusive resorts in Dominican or in Mexico is all of like the fresh fruit you get and the melons and all that stuff. Love 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 eating that stuff, and of course the drinks, the uh, unlimited um, drinks. But tried to rein that in, not get uh, not get too crazy. But a couple nights got away from us, but. Anyway, so why am I not feeling well? Um, has nothing to do with the Dominican Republic. We got back on um, Saturday. We actually got back Friday, very late Friday night. And then uh, Saturday, my parents were watching um, our daughter, Ruby. And they dropped her off right before our, uh, we had a softball game. And uh, we all went to the softball game. I coached it. She played in it. Um, game went well. I'm feeling great still at this point in time. Uh, we could. Continue on. We have no food at home since we've been gone for a week. So uh, my wife had the idea to go out to this local uh, taco place, which I've never been to. Sure, let's go. And uh, we go to it. Food was phenomenal. Like some of the best tacos I've had in Pittsburgh in my life. Loved it. Every second of it. The queso was delicious. The salsas were a little bit little bit spicy um, than I like, but very, very good. Or the one salsa was. 
The other one was uh, not spicy at all. But I don't, I mean, I don't think I started feeling sick from anything in the Dominican. I think I started feeling sick once I got back in the United States and went to a local, um, it's like a, it's, I wouldn't call it a restaurant. <clears throat> it's like a, it's almost like a food truck that has a, uh, a brick and mortar building. Um, cause they have no, like, uh, you know, actual restaurant seating. They have a restaurant next door that I guess they have some sort of association with that allows them to use their tables to serve food. Um, but it's essentially just a hole in the wall where you order tacos, which is normally delicious stuff, but something happened there. I'm not sure what, if it's food poisoning or what, but, um, I was, I was starting to feel pretty bad, um, into, Last night had an upset stomach. Woke up this morning, felt okay. This morning we went to uh, we had a church meeting. Went to uh, went to that. Uh, our daughter went to Sunday school, and uh, then leaving there, I just felt like complete garbage. I was getting the chills. Felt like crap, um, and things just went downhill from there. Basically, I've napped for most of the day. That's why I've put this off recording until uh, until right now. But. That's, took some ibuprofen, um, drank a hydration drink, drank a uh, an energy drink, healthy energy drink. I'm having some uh, a spindrift now, sparkling water, and I'm feeling feel pretty good, feeling pretty good. So I think I'll be okay. I think I will survive. It is just hilarious that you can go all the way to the Dominican and uh, have zero incidents with uh, with food or drink or, or anything there, and then you get back in the U.S. in a uh, little Mexican pop up stand. Touch you in. Anyway, is what it is. Um, so let's get into some of these stories. And I do first want to talk about um, Michelle Obama launching this Plezi. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's P L E Z I. I'm assuming it's Plezi, Plezi um, nutrition. And, you know, honestly, when, when you look at it, like I thought after I started looking into it, I would see more nefarious things. Honestly, it doesn't look that bad. Um, so the line itself, she's only coming out with a kid's drink and maybe things will start to get a little bit more, um, you know, I guess nefarious as, uh, as more products are, are released, but the kid's drink, to be honest, I mean, it's not bad. It has greatly reduced sugar than, uh, you know, juice boxes and, and things like that. Six grams of sugar, which is still six grams of sugar. Um, it doesn't really have anything else in it. I mean, it has hundred milligrams of potassium, which is just like 2% of uh, your daily value. Um, 90 milligrams of vitamin C, which is a, they say it's hundred percent. It's not hundred percent of what you need. You need way more vitamin C than that. Um, magnesium, 10 milligrams. That's only 2% of really what you need. And zinc 1.3 milligrams, which is only 10% of what you need. So this isn't really a health drink. It's just a empty vessel in my opinion. Um, you know, there's no protein in it, anything like that. There's no real supplements to help with brain health or to help with, you know, you know, children, uh, building up, uh, and there's lot, lots of different, like, like the drink my daughter takes, it has, um, DHA, which, which helps with, uh, with brain health, um, has prebiotics, probiotics. This has none of that from what I can tell. It might have some prebiotics, but I don't think they, they call it out. Um, but it's, it's not bad. So it's, it's not horrible. Right. But what's interesting is when you start to look into this company, so it says that, you know, Michelle Obama has launched the company and what's the term they used. Um, so her latest venture aimed at creating healthy food and beverage options 
for parents to give healthier, great tasting products to their kids. Um, and it, you know, it's not a hundred percent her launching it. There is a, uh, private equity firm behind it, um, by the name of juggernaut capital partners, which I have to say, that's an incredible name. <laughs> it's like something out of, uh, stepbrothers juggernaut capital partners. I like it. But when you look at juggernaut capital and you look at some of the other ventures that they're in, you look at their portfolio and you don't have to look very far to see <clears throat> ZOA, ZOA Energy Drinks, which is, excuse me, let me get a drink here. Perfect timing, talking about energy drink as I drink my sparkling water. Um, ZOA Energy Drinks, of course, is the brand that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is behind. Um, they have a bunch of other brands that they're involved with, a lot of stuff in the health space. The only one that I recognize is... Uh, is Zoa. Um, but it is interesting to see that. So, I mean, The Rock has put a lot of effort and energy into launching Zoa. It's everywhere. It's, you know, all, all across um, the U.S. and stores. And you can see now they're doing a similar thing with Michelle Obama um, targeting the kids' health market. Now, the thing that I'm kind of worried about, um, the direction this could go in with this Plessy Nutrition is looking back at what Michelle Obama did when she was first lady um, with how she impacted uh, what kids were fed in cafeterias. And, you know, there's a lot of plant, plant-based food pushed in there and vegan crap and vegetarian crap and things like that. And I wouldn't be surprised that like the next thing that's going to be launched is some sort of plant-based bar. Um, and which isn't the worst thing as long as it doesn't have a bunch of seed oils and, and crap in it like that. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. And I will say with the kids drink, very happy to see zero artificial sweeteners. So um, I was seriously surprised when I looked and, and there were none. Um, it's sweetened with uh, stevia leaf extract and monk fruit extract, which is honestly two of the, the best sweeteners that you can have in a, uh, in a drink. Um, they don't impact your glycemic index. So they're not going to spike your blood sugar, which is, which is excellent. Um, very important for, uh, for kids today, um, to, you know, not be getting, you know, high fructose corn syrup, which is in so much crap, which is going to spike their blood sugar. It's going to make them fat. It's tough on their liver. And, uh, so happy to see there's no artificial, artificial sweeteners or high fructose corn syrup in these drinks. And it is a lowish sugar, drink. So good on Michelle Obama for that. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I would just say I'm a little worried about <clears throat> what comes next. W where does this uh where does this company go next? And I got a little Robert Kennedy in my in my voice right now choking on a on saliva. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to throw up um, while I'm recording this. And I didn't, I didn't throw up during this whole, whatever it is, food poisoning um, thing episode. Uh, so that's good. I, I honestly, I've only thrown up probably in the last 20 years, maybe twice. I can only remember one time, but there's probably another time that I'm not remembering. And that includes, you know, drinking, uh, you know, drinking too much. Um, even when I did drink to excess frequently, in the, in the olden days, um, I wasn't the type to, uh, to throw up just, just never did that. I was always amazed by, you know, people that'd be drinking and be like, oh, I got to pull the trigger, just go throw up and come back and keep drinking. I like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Um, 
Some people are like that, whatever. But the next step, so to get back to Plezzy, Plezzy Nutrition, the next step with this company, I'm sure there's going to be nutrition bars. There's going to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe yogurts, crap like that. So what direction does this does this go into? And then what do they use the funds to do? Because they do talk about you know using the funds to have a marketing plan to eat healthy, to um, encourage children to eat healthy. Is it going to be encouraging a plant-based diet, which I, I would assume probably it will be? Um, which is not good, which is not what uh, not what kids need. It's not what adults need. Um, we need to get protein from animals. I mean, there were so many different nutrients and vitamins that you just don't get from plants that you need from animals. And that's my fear, really, with this Plessy Nutrition, is that this is just going to be another, um, another stoke, another peg, another steak, whatever. I don't know what kind of analogy I'm looking for here. Um, another that's going to further the plant-based agenda that is going to, you know, have the, uh, be cloaked in the climate change ideology, um, talking about how we all need to stop eating meat, start eating bugs and start eating more plants. So that'd be interesting to watch what direction this goes into. And I just want to reinforce again, like, I don't really have an issue. Big, I mean, I wouldn't buy this myself because I don't want to support Michelle Obama. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I mean, everything she stands for, um, I don't want to support her politically. I don't want my funds going to her company. Um, so for that reason, I wouldn't support her. There's plenty of other alternatives out there that are healthier and I think are um, have a better nutritional, um, you know, really um, – better nutritional detail, better nutritional. Um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but they're, they're better for you. They have more vitamins and nutrients in them. Like guys, you gotta give me a break on this episode. Okay. I'm recording this basically, you know, uh, like I said at 80%. So 20% of my brain's not working. Okay. So that's plus nutrition. We got through that. It's backed by the same people, um, Juggernaut Capital, that back Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You can see the commonality that they're looking for these larger-than-life characters to be behind these brands. Um, it's sort of really a shift, you know, to this influencer culture. You know, uh, The Rock is one of the most popular um, celebrities on social media, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Um, Michelle Obama. I honestly have no idea what, what kind of presence she has on social media. I'm sure it's big. It just doesn't overlap with anything that I'm looking at. So I, I have no idea. But um, I do you know, run across a lot of The Rock's um, videos and his promotional stuff. And uh, I'm sure that is the same thought process is using a larger than life person, Michelle Obama, The Rock, in order to promote these, these products. Um, it's really the new way one of the new ways of of marketing, um, rather than you know expensive marketing campaigns where you're running all these commercials, you're going directly to the people who um, you know can spread their message, can promote their products directly to their loyal fans and sycophants who will go and purchase them. Not that there's anything wrong with that, really. I mean, that's uh, that's just the way things are going. Okay, so turning the page and let's talk about reparations from kids' drinks to Money for black people, um, which, you know, I, I've heard some reparations plans, which I really don't have an issue with. Um, I, I forget who exactly. 
I can't remember now. I'm drawing a total blank. Oh, Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus has talked about a reparations plan, and I don't know, remember the details of it, but essentially it was like a, you know, like a tax break. Like, okay, if the black, if black people, if certain black people can prove that they have, you know, an ancestry that's linked to slavery, then they don't pay taxes for two years. Honestly, I don't have an issue with that because I'm in favor of, you know, everyone not paying taxes. So if we can get a certain portion of people to not pay taxes, that's, that's great. I've, no issue with that. I do have an issue with what they're doing in California, as Robert Malone points out here. Robert Malone, also, you know, of course, the uh, inventor of the mRNA vaccine, very critical of uh, of the COVID response and the COVID vaccines, all that stuff. Here's what he says: Every person not of color living in California needs to get out now. About 1.2 million dollars in reparations is now approved by a CA task force. Parentheses still to be voted on by the state legislation. To each black person in the state, this will not only bankrupt the state, but will force homeowners to sell the property to pay the huge tax increases that may be coming. CA already charges almost 20% per person, including sales tax, the highest tax rates in the country. By the way, activists are demanding higher amounts. They want $200 million per person. Wow. Um, I don't know what 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 activists. This is just one guy saying that? I don't know. Anyway, back to the rest of the tweet. Um, this is... In the face of modern socialism, this is the face of modern socialism, and we need to be very scared. California has always led the way in terms of new legislation. This soon may become may come to other blue states. Plans are in the works. This is a massive wealth transfer. It is theft. And I, I agree, it is theft. Um, all taxation indeed is theft. All uh, you know, deficit spending. Um, inflation of or uh, monetization of debt—that's all theft by devaluing the uh, the money supply, devaluing our purchasing power. That these are all forms of theft. Um, this is the most direct form of transferring wealth from one group of people to another. Um, it's interesting in that it'll be interesting to watch. I, I have no idea. I have no in, inside information on if this will go through or not. I, I just don't know. Um, but I will say this, like this is inherently racist, a hundred percent. And, you know, this goes back with, with, with what Scott Adams talked about, which the way that he, uh, he talked about it was, was not the best way. And I, I would not recommend doing that for anyone. Um, but it's very clear that there is a racial divide in this country that has been created by the political elites in order to, to benefit, in order to win votes, in order to buy votes. And this is clear vote buying. That's all this is. This is clear vote buying. Um, and I mean, it's, I don't see how this doesn't also like blow up in Democrats faces, Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat in California. So, I mean, what's the percentage of black people in California compared to white people, Asians, um, Mexicans? I'm, I, I don't know. I should have looked that up, but um, it just doesn't, I don't see how this doesn't piss off the majority of people in the state. Cause I, I don't think black people are the majority in California. So I don't see how this works. And 1.2 million is an absurd amount of money per person who's getting reparations. How are they going to prove this? How are they going to vet this? 
it just doesn't make any freaking sense. And I agree with Robert Malone. And you know, I'm speaking to my my friend and uh, co-founder here at Lions Liberty, Brian McWilliams. You got to get out of California because it might not be 1.2 million, but there will be some wealth transfer from white people to black people in California, and that will go to other blue states. That'll go to New York. Maybe it'll come to Pennsylvania. If it does, I'm going to get the heck out of here. Um, but it's just crazy. It's crazy that we've come to the point that like. It, if you disagree with this and you think we shouldn't be giving, you know, $1.2 million to people who have, you know, no link to slavery in their lifetime, uh, is it's absolutely insane. It's totally insane. Uh, I don't even know what else to say about it. And it's just really, it really puts in focus how screwed up politics is in this country and just how screwed up the conversation has become that this is supposed to solve something and it's definitely not going to solve anything. This is going to cause a bigger divide. I mean, that should be obvious to anyone, but the thing is they don't care about that. They want a bigger divide. So I like have to like, even when I, I still talk about this stuff, I need to check myself. Be like, okay, yeah, never mind. That's what they want. They want people divided. They want people fighting with each other. They want white people and black people to not get along. That's what they want. Because that's how they they divide, and that's how they get votes. That's how they they maintain power. That's how these uh, oligarchies work. Uh, this U.S. oligarchy that we live in. But it's it's just crazy times, and there's not much else to say about it. Um, so there was another shooting in in Texas this week, and uh, in in Allen, Texas, eight people killed, I believe, including children. Um, who were killed. And I believe there's, there's, it was a, uh, I don't know if it was an illegal immigrant, but obviously from the pictures of the shooter, um, someone of um, Latin American heritage, uh, I don't have the guy's name in front of me, but clear, very obvious, um, not white. And you have the, uh, the police there, the federal law enforcement, saying that they are looking into ties to uh, his ties to white supremacy organizations and his ties to neo-Nazi organizations. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I, I thought you had to be white to be a white supremacist. Does this, does what? This doesn't make any sense at all. The dots are not connecting, but it is so interesting how, how quickly they will use a tragedy, an awful, awful tragedy in order to advance their agenda. And they will manipulate facts. They'll change facts in order to fit, you know, whatever they need the narrative to be. If they need the narrative to be, it's a white supremacist, neo-Nazi who's doing this, who's right wing. They'll just create that. Facts be damned. They don't care. <laughs> they'll use they'll use the facts they need to. They'll use their truth. And so, of course, you have President Biden now openly running on disarming Americans. I mean, this isn't just uh, the old common sense gun control that we heard about, you know, common sense gun control for so long. It would just be, oh, we need common sense gun control. Be like, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, just common sense gun control. We need background checks and uh, we need to close the gun loophole. And but what are you even talking about? There are background checks. Um, There is no gun show loophole. What are you talking about? So it's changed from this common sense gun control 
or maybe that maybe they're now calling this what um, Biden and the, and the Democrats are, are proposing. Maybe they're calling this now common sense gun control. So Joe Biden tweets out. This is from um, Sunday, May 7th. He tweets out once again, Congress must send me a bill banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines. First of all, assault weapons. What does that even mean? What what the heck does that mean? Assault weapons. That's not even a thing. That's, that's just a made up term. It means nothing. It could mean anything. Very dangerous. Assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Enacting universal background checks. Requiring safe storage. How are you going to require safe storage? Are you going to go and inspect people's homes and make sure they're storing their guns properly? It's insane. Requiring safe storage, ending immunity for gun manufacturers. It is absurd and insane that gun manufacturers have been sued and lost in these lawsuits. They are manufacturers. They are not the ones carrying out the crime. It's absurd and it's sickening that it's uh, that it's happened. And uh, he says he'll sign it immediately. We need nothing less to keep our streets safe. So this is now their bare minimum. This is what they need. This is their common sense gun control. Nothing less than banning all assault weapons, whatever that means. Banning all high capacity magazines, whatever that means. Um, I guess more than more than eight in a uh, in a magazine is that high capacity? Um, of course. I mean, people talk about this all the time. Just carry more magazines. It's not hard to change a magazine. It's very simple to do. Um, enacting universal background checks. We have universal background checks. I'm requiring safe storage. That's crazy. And ending immunity for gun manufacturers. This is insanity. And this is what the Democrat Party mainstream moderate Democrat president is running on. This isn't extremist AOC leftist progressives way on the left. This is their middle of the road Democrat calling for disarming all American citizens. It should wake you the heck up. It should wake you up. And um, we're not going to allow this to happen. I'll, I'll tell you that much right now. And, you know, maybe maybe I'll put in a, uh, a little uh, nugget here. I didn't, I didn't plan on talking about talking about this today, but uh, so I recently changed my voter registration and it didn't, wasn't for this reason. Uh, the reason why I changed is because there's a school board election coming up and where I live, the community that I live in, it's a very critical election. Um, depending on which side wins the uh, crazy leftists who want to shove the uh, trans agenda down the uh, throat of school kids and have pornography in the classroom or people on the right who aren't perfect. No, they're not perfect, but at least they don't want to do that. You know, at least they don't want to sexualize children. So I changed my registration from libertarian to Republican first time since I don't, I don't know, 2016, maybe. I think that's when I switched over originally. I might switch back um, to libertarian. I, I really haven't put much thought into it, um, but this allows me to vote in the primary which is important to me. And what they do is a lot of these uh, is they'll run on both tickets. So it's supposed to be, you know, nonpartisan, which it, that's never the case, at least in Pennsylvania, but they'll run on both tickets. The so Democrats will run on the Republican ticket and Republicans will run on the Democrat ticket. They're, they're on both. So essentially you get your ticket, you have Republicans, Democrats there, even though they all have the R next to their name. So it's very confusing. 
um, to know who to vote for. So I, I wanted to make sure that at least we get you know the right people forward to the uh, the general election to uh, to give ourselves a chance to uh, not end up living in a uh, leftist hellscape. But anyway, that's why I changed, and I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I don't really know the direction of the Libertarian Party right now. Uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, who's running for president. The president, the libertarian presidential candidates who I've seen put forward, I mean, they don't impress me at all. Um, Dave Smith, I don't know what happened there. I guess he's not running. You think you would have heard something by now um, if he was going to run. And I've been listening to part of the problem, waiting for some sort of announcement, but I haven't seen anything. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But honestly, like for for Dave's own well-being, he, he shouldn't run. I mean, why why put yourself through that? ridiculous uh, ringer of a campaign for and for what I mean even uh, even Ron Paul on Tim Pool recently they were talking about you know the upcoming election and Dave Smith running and if you knew Dave and he said he did and they asked him you know essentially does it matter do elections matter and Ron Paul essentially said no um, you know we, we've passed the point of no return with our economy with uh, the Federal Reserve and what they've done the, and the damage to the dollar um, that there's really no way to save the current uh, political and financial structure uh, that we have right now. And it is going to come crashing down. The only question is what's it going to be replaced with? So is it going to be replaced with a CB, CBDC, a central bank digital currency um, where they can track literally everything that we do um, and they can, just take our money away from us in our bank account. They can turn it off, turn it on. They can allow us to spend money on certain things, put a quote on, you know, how much meat we can buy, or um, you're not allowed to, you know, you're not allowed to spend money on entertainment or travel because you didn't get this uh, X or Y vaccine. Um, there's so many different things they could do with the CBDC that it's, it's, uh, it's sickening. And unfortunately, likely it is the future. One thing on that front that is interesting so pivoting to CBDC. So I do want to play a recent quote from Ron DeSantis. And this is not the first time that Ron DeSantis has spoke out against a CBDC. Um, but here he is speaking out against the CBDC and saying what Florida is going to do to protect its citizens. Not have a successful economy if every aspect of it ends up being politicized. And so we said that's not going to work for our pension system in the state of Florida. It's not going to work for credit ratings. And we're not going to let them impose social credit scores on Floridians so that their ability to obtain credit is somehow related to whether they're towing an ideological line. Uh, Florida also led in saying, you know, we do not recognize it's not there yet, but they want to do it. A central bank digital currency. You want them being able to monitor every single transaction you make as a citizen? I know I don't want that. Okay, there we go. So, I mean, that's, I have zero issue with that. And I, I don't know, you might have libertarians that would, would say, well, you know, Ron DeSantis can't come out and outlaw a, uh, a CBDC in Florida. You know, that's not, that's not very libertarian. Libertarians want, you know, competition and money. I would say, yeah, we, we do want competition and money, but that's not allowing. I mean, the CBDC is going to do the opposite. That's going to give you know even a greater monopoly 
and the power to en- enact a true monopoly of money um, on citizens of this country. So it'll be interesting to watch this going forward. What happens with states like Florida or maybe Texas? I know there's a couple other states have heard the governor speaking out against an enactment of a federal CBDC in their state. This is coming. I don't know if it's one year or five years or 10 years, but it's coming soon. And they'll start first with uh, interbank um, you know, transactions and, and, uh, and move from there. Um, so we'll see where it goes. And I don't know if a governor really will be able to stop it. But I do like, I'd rather have you know, someone like a Ron DeSantis, probably right now, I'd rather have him in Florida giving a, uh, you know, a, a safety net, a, a safe area um, for people to, uh, to migrate to uh, if they want protect protection from things like a CBDC or from things like vaccine passports, things like that. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to run for president or not. I, I really have no idea. I, I think either way we're destined for, which is so crazy to say, we're destined for a Trump-Biden rematch. Uh, I know there's a recent poll that came out, ABC News, that showed Trump and, and Trump or DeSantis both doing very well against Joe Biden. And I mean, to date, a lot of the polls have shown, um, you know, Trump and Biden, either one or the other, up th- three or four percent. So, it, I mean, I, I don't really believe polls at all. I mean, we saw what happened in the midterms and said there was going to be a, a red wave, and that obviously did not materialize. So. I, I don't know what to think. Uh, I do know that John Fetterman was elected in Pennsylvania um, without having the ability to speak. <laughs> and people openly, like I've talked to people who openly say that they voted for John Fetterman and against, they were more so voting against Dr. Oz and more, I mean, they were voting against Donald Trump who had backed Dr. Oz more so than they were voting for John Fetterman. In fact, they weren't voting for John Fetterman at all. They just didn't want a Trump-backed candidate in there. So I don't, I mean, the same thing could happen. Joe, You could have Joe Biden literally not able to form sentences, being in debates with Donald Trump, not making any sense, not remembering where he's from or where he is or where he was last week, get, get destroyed in debates by Trump. You could have it all happen and Biden could still easily win just because people hate Trump so much. And we'll talk about that more, you know, as we get closer to this election. It's just so this this is the most bizarre election season ever. You have Donald Trump who's getting lawsuit after lawsuit and he's in criminal prosecution and you have uh Hunter Biden who's who's tied up, who's getting uh, you know, all these different uh, probes by the, uh, the the GOP who are who are looking into his you know his laptop and his shady dealings and everything else, and you have Joe Biden who's basically said or at least uh, hinted that he would pardon Trunner if a uh, pardon Hunter, not Trunter, if uh, if he was indicted. So I don't know what to think, man. This, I mean, these times are just completely absurd. So. Uh, speaking of absurd times, you know, the sky is falling. The debt ceiling might not be raised, guys. If the debt ceiling is not raised, you know, a couple trillion dollars by June 1st, then we're going to default on our debts and children will starve in the streets. And we can't allow it to happen. 
So we have to raise the debt ceiling. We have to raise our credit card limit, right? That's what Janet Yellen says. Listen to Janet Yellen and just, it's, I'm always amazed when I hear her talk that she's had any success in her life. Uh, you know, this is a former um, chairman of the Federal Reserve. Um, she's achieved some great things. I think she went to Harvard. Is, is that right? You would think that she would come off a little bit more intelligently. But but no, she comes off like a complete moron every time she's interviewed. So let's let's hear from Janet Yellen here. Would it paint a picture for everyone? What happens on that day? Let's assume for the sake of argument it's June first. What happens that day if the debt limit has not been extended? Well, Treasury finds itself in a position where we're unable to pay all of the bills that um, come due that day, and. Um, this would be really the first time in the history of America that we would fail to um, make payments that are due. Um, and, you know, whether it's defaulting on uh, interest payments that are due on the debt or payments due for Social Security recipients or um, to Medicare providers, uh, we would simply not have enough cash to meet all of our obligations. And um, it, it's widely agreed that financial and economic chaos would ensue. Uh, U.S. Treasury securities are the safest um, bedrock security um, underlying the global financial system. Uh, a failure of the United States to honor all of its debt would call into question uh, our credit worthiness, even as we get very close to this date. If Congress doesn't act, we're likely to see financial market consequences. In 2011, there was a steep decline in the stock market and our borrowing costs. Um, back in 2011, the U.S. Uh, was downgraded by the credit rating aid. Okay, that's, uh, that's enough of that. Um, so essentially, if we don't give the government the ability to spend more money, then life ends as we know it. And of course, that, that's not the case. Um, yeah, I mean, people will, would suffer if we didn't raise the debt limit, but they could reprioritize spending to still continue to make those Social Security payments, to continue to make these crucial payments, the, the safety net that's been created. They could prioritize the debt payments and maybe, I don't know, maybe cut back on the enormous defense spending, things like that. It's just so insane that the government is able to say, unless you raise the you know amount we can spend on our credit card, things will go to shit. But if an individual were to say that, call up his credit card company and say, well, you know what? I got $40,000 in credit card debt. And, you know, unless you give me like another $20,000 in, uh, you know, credit capacity, um, my kids are going to starve, man. You're starving my kids by not letting me, you know, deficit spend more. You got to let me deficit spend more. Otherwise, my kids are going to starve. This is your fault. <laughs> but that wouldn't work with a credit card company, no, because they, uh, they actually want to make money. But here in the uh, United States government, um, this fear mongering will work. You know, I'm sure the two sides will come together. They'll strike some kind of deal. And as always, bipartisanship in the United States Senate or House or, or whatever um, always leads to the most, the worst outcome.
So ultimately, we will see concessions made where Republicans will probably get more defense spending, money to Ukraine, whatever. Democrats love that too. They both do. So they'll probably plow more money to Ukraine. They'll the uh, the Republicans will get something that they want, maybe some tax cuts for um, corporations, things like that. I don't know. And uh, Democrats will get their, you know, their uh, money for reparations. Now they, they won't get that, but uh, eventually they, they probably will. So, I mean, this is, this is unsustainable. I don't need to dwell on this. This audience knows how crazy things are. Um, so what do we do to fight back? Well, number one, I think don't panic. Um, of course, they want you in fear. They want you scared. They want you to think that, you know, if this doesn't happen, if one side or the other side prevents it from, from happening, that they're that they're trying to harm you, they're trying to harm your children, your family, things like that. That's it's just insane. Um, if the debt ceiling wasn't raised, and even if they stopped making payments to welfare and Social Security and, and all these different things and payments to states to to fund programs, the world would not end. Yes, people would suffer. There would there would be suffering, but there's going to be much greater suffering when this whole thing blows up. That can't be prevented. So I'd rather have a little suffering now, get through that, um, rather than putting a uh, you know band aid on a on a bullet wound and just making this thing so much worse uh, years from now. So you know, I, Ron Paul obviously when I got into you know libertarianism back in the day. You know, this is essentially what sold me on libertarianism, just how insane this deficit spending is, the role of the Federal Reserve in creating money. You know, essentially a cartel of private bankers got together and or a group of private bankers got together and formed a cartel in order to control the uh, the money supply in the uh, the interest rates in order to enrich themselves. And once you understand that, there's really no turning back. It's just a question of how you react to it. And I think a lot of people, at least in Ron, Paul, Ron Paul's time when he was in politics, thank God we still have him here doing a podcast and, and dropping his knowledge. But when he was in politics, we all thought that was going to be the way that Ron Paul was going to be the answer, that if we just told enough people how crazy this was, that they would understand it and they would want to change. Um, but that, that didn't happen, unfortunately. And I don't think, you know, if you have someone else like a Dave Smith come out with the same message, yeah, you know, we might, they might get some crowds, you might educate some people and it's probably not, it's probably not worthless. There probably is, there is value there, but strategically, I don't know. I mean, I think as individuals, we, as families, as communities, uh, we need to look at ways Start right now, myself included. Look at ways to, uh, you know, for to self-sustain, um, self-sufficiency, in order to, you know, grow our own food, in order to have a freezer full of meat, um, in order to have a backup generator in case the power goes out. And you know, I'm not saying you got to be able to survive for like two years, um, but at least you should be able to have a fighting chance for for a couple months if shit hits the fan and we power grid goes down or God knows what, uh, what can happen. So just prepare yourself. I would encourage you to start to prepare yourself, prepare your family. And, uh, you know, I also, I, I always do talk about multiple streams of income, how important that is. You know, 
even if we're not coming up on this great dollar collapse, and maybe we're not, there is going to be pain and recession and people are going to lose their jobs. So at least in this middle period, if we don't have the dollar collapse, I mean, build up some multiple streams of income, learn some skills, learn how to turn those skills into money. And uh, there's lots of ways to do that. And I'm happy happy to talk with anyone on, on some ways to uh, to make money. I actually, I, it's funny. I think my wife and I are going to be starting a uh, another business here soon. And uh, I don't want to tease it here yet, but um, we tested it out. We tested the product out um, at our at the resort we were at, and you know showed that it's, it's a cup essentially, and, and showed it to other people. And uh, the re- reviews were. Outstanding people. Uh, people would have bought it right there if we had them with us. So, I think we will probably take this forward uh, to the next step and uh, start start production and start start this business. We'll see what happens. More to come on that, probably. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just scrap that and invest every all my time into uh, buying and selling land. We'll see. Anyway, rambling, rambling on. That's it for a show. Um, I'm about out of energy. Going to. Uh, publish this tonight and go to sleep. And I cannot wait to go to sleep tonight. Hopefully when I, when I wake up tomorrow morning, this, uh, whatever it is, food poisoning, whatever Mexican taco, <laughs> whatever it is, is, uh, is long gone because I hate not feeling my best, which is one of the reasons why I really do put a lot of emphasis on my health and eating right and exercising. I hate being sick. I hate not feeling my best. And it just annoys the crap out of me. Some people I feel like just wallow in their sickness and like, oh yeah, I'm sick. I'm gonna lay on the couch. And I, I just don't understand that. I don't I mean, I don't understand that attitude at all. I mean, you're sick, you're not dead. Get up and do something, do something with your life. If you're one of those people who you know, wallows in your sickness, you know, you get the man flu and you sit around and cry, fine. I was like that today, honestly. Like I was like, I just need to sleep. And my wife let me sleep. And thankfully she did. So I feel better now. But anyway, so if you guys are enjoying this content, if you uh, remember that every interview I do now, 90% of the interviews I do, I have a bonus, um, about 10 or 15 minutes uh, interview with that released to our Patreon and locals. You can get that. You can also get Brian's daily rants um, every weekday, Monday through Friday. He does his uh, his daily rant. You can get that on our Patreon, and uh, the rest of our uh, you know patron content you can get by joining at locals lionsofliberty.locals.com or at patreon.com/slash lions of liberty. Uh, would love to have you in the Lions of Liberty Pride. We're really looking to revamp some areas. We've under we've come to the understanding that Facebook is essentially dead if you're trying to run a group through it. So we're looking for other ways to uh, to build an interactive group where we can actually talk with our, you know, our audience, uh, talk, talk with you, listen, talk with our patrons. Uh, it's not working on Facebook, either in our pride, really, or in our Alliance of Liberty Forum on Facebook. Just the way they have Facebook as the algorithm set up. It's like anti-community. It's, it's, it's so weird. I don't know what the heck Zuckerberg is, is doing or thinking, but he's uh, he's running people off the platform left and right. But that's a conversation for another day. 
That's all I got for today, everyone. Hopefully everyone has a great week, a healthy week. It's getting warm where I am. Great weather here. Well, when it doesn't rain, it's great weather here in Western Pennsylvania. Hope it is nice where you are warming up. And uh, we'll see you next week. In the meantime, always remember, keep your head up. And the fire is literally burning. Oh,